Welcome to CII Podcasts. A very good afternoon to all of you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this wonderful chat series that we've been having. And I think uh, really privileged now to have with us uh, Shaheen Mistri. You know, this one is on the focus on the right to education for all. I think uh, Shaheen uh, has been one of the key people, I would say, not only in India but in the world, who has really championed the cause of. education a universal education and that to at the highest level uh, that can be delivered and it's more a right for everyone to receive of teach for india of course serves as one of its founding board members of course he also started akanksha and i still remember shine the the initial days you know when 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 you had set that up such a phenomenal you know uh, institution that really you know captured what the city slums children you know needed both in terms of skills and education to be able to make themselves you know uh, members of society that can add and contribute you know to our country and i think you've done a phenomenal job with so many centers and schools particularly around mumbai and pune but also the teach for india teach for america uh, shine has been an ashoka fellow a global leader of tomorrow for the world economic forum Asia Society 21 leader so many accolades but i know you as a person shaheen and and for you all of that it doesn't any way take away what you stand for what you represent you know and what you truly feel at the core of your heart right and that's what how india can really you know educate our masses and every indian as an education that is you know competent enough to get them a very worthwhile livelihood and also then create a larger impact you know in society so the idea today is to capture your thoughts your vision uh, for india your dreams for india but you know particularly given that education is something that you know is prime to you uh, maybe we'll start with that and really keeping the present education system of the country in mind you know what's working well and what isn't maybe two things that are working well and two things <laughs> that you think are uh, are not working as well or what can we do maybe we start yeah thank you for that and and thank you so much for this this opportunity um to share some of some of my thoughts um I think look a lot is is working well I go back to when I I started my work 30 years ago and I think the first big shift is people really are talking about the need for educational change and I always believe that when dialogue has started uh when more and more people come on board and care about this um when the policies of the land are reflecting that dialogue you're you're in a good place and so I would say the first is is broadly just education has become part of the conversation it's become part of the dialogue it's become part of what we we really care about we're talking about we're working for so that that to me would be the first big one i think the second is probably at the intersection of access i think we've made really big strides as as a nation um to get education to be accessible uh to almost all our children uh many kids still still falling through the cracks but to to almost all of our children um and i think we've made a big push uh most recently uh you know elevated to a national mission with foundational literacy and and numeracy so i think those are are some of the pieces that are are working well i think the two 
pieces that I think perhaps we don't talk enough about that feel very, very important to talk about. One is just the need for more and more leadership at all levels um, focused on, on education. I think today still it is not a top three choice uh, for bright young people to become teachers, to get into the education sector. And you see that mirrored at all levels of the system. I think unless we change who gets excited, who comes into education, the value proposition uh, for people to enter the sector, we're not going to get as far uh, as we want. I think that's the first. I think the second, which I really think a lot about, you'll probably hear me reference this multiple times through the conversation, is we, we still think of children only as the beneficiaries of education but we don't really give them a stake in the education system. We're not listening to our children. We're not asking them, why do you want to learn? How do you want to learn? What do you want to learn? We're not engaging them as equal partners in this work. Um, and I think that is a huge missed opportunity. Uh, student voice, student agency, student partnership um, in, in really saying, how do I take control of my own education and the education of others? No, I think I think your your second point is, is so valid. And, you know, if we are able to at least involve this generation of children into that, hopefully we'll get a lot more of them choosing education as a career to address your first problem because they'd be so involved in, you know, kind of shaping that. So if we have missed one generation, maybe we can now make sure that the next generation of leaders in education comes, you know, out of this proactive, you know, kind of involvement. So I think, you know, very, very great point. And, and hopefully uh, over these next 25 years, which a prime minister likes to call the Amrit Khan, you know, the emerging of, of a new India, uh, you know, we'll be able to see this emergence of children who will then become you know, educators as we as we move forward. But you know, I think there, there has been on a policy side also, Shine, you know, a lot of work that has happened, right? Particularly with this new education policy, you know, with right for education for all. I mean, you've seen this over 30 years, right? So how how significant, you know, is this change and really what does it change on the ground when it comes to education and how can stakeholders really participate to make a difference? you know, uh, using this policy uh, differently, given that you must have studied this quite closely. Yeah, I mean, I, I really am a big fan of the policy. Uh, you know, you, you go through and you read it and you almost wonder if you can visualize a single school in India across any income level that actually embodies um, everything in the policy. So I think as a guiding document, as a, as a document that really is of the highest ideals, um, it's a beautiful, uplifting, inspiring document. I, I think like with everything, Rajan, <laughs> you know, it, it breaks down an implementation. And I think what you said at the end is so important. Unless we as stakeholders and civil society say, we're going to make this happen. Uh, we're going to each um, empower uh, ourselves, our own families, our own schools to, to actually implement this. Uh, it, there's there's too much of a gap between what we see on the ground and the policy. Um, I think we need to, uh, one, allocate adequate resources to make a policy like that happen. I think still today, unfortunately, we are a nation that doesn't invest enough in education. With what we invest, 
the vast majority of it goes to teacher salaries leaving us very little wiggle room uh for other other uh, areas of change uh so i think we need to think about that i go back again to the people point unless we're investing a lot in who we bring into the sector how we value them how we reward them how we invest in their ongoing development uh we're not really going to be able to to move very far with the policy so i think you know no silver bullet answers um is is my perspective it's going to take time thought really good people adequate resources um and a lot of belief uh, i think one thing i worry a little bit about in india is because the problem is so vast um and so deep and education is such a difficult thing to solve uh we tend to look for the silver bullet solution and we tend to say how can we make incremental change at scale and while that matters we must remember as a nation that that is not enough even foundational literacy and numeracy that is one step forward but that is not what children need ultimately to lead lead successful meaningful lives so how do we in addition to resources and people also hold a high enough bar um and say we will put in the resources to get to that place versus lowering the bar uh year after year yeah you know i think this whole exercise of india at 100 is to really create that order of magnitude change you know to think disruptively you know to to really aspire for the highest possible outcome and then you know if you fold the future back you know you need to innovate right and especially in a country like india you know where there is scale there is always a much larger potential for innovation because you know the frugality that can come out of that exercise or the you know price performance that we are able to achieve in a country like india is far better or superior to any other part of the world especially when we look look at the western countries the cost of what it takes to educate someone and what the outcome is of course there is high but with, in india we can do a lot more with probably a lot less if we get it right you know yeah. but you still said that the teacher salaries is the highest cost and still i think our teachers are underpaid right i mean when we come maybe that's the reason people don't join the profession but as teach for india shine i think you've created a phenomenal model right that is addressing this this leadership deficit particularly when it comes to education you know in india and 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 really how does that translate right to a larger you know vision for education where you can get other stakeholders around see we see a lot of pockets of excellence in india but yeah. if there's one big initiative that's working well i think one thing we'd love to see as the india at 100 foundation moving forward and especially india at 100 is to see how we can align more interesting um, you know and and committed stakeholders around larger visions that are working well right and 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 help scale that so i know teach for india is a phenomenal model you know there's a teach for america you've done that i mean throw some light and and how can others get involved yeah I think Rajan you know many years ago I went to a conference in Florida and I remember nothing about that conference except one thing which is when we walked into the room there was a multiplication sign on the screen and that concept of the multiplier um has stayed very very present for me through these years see teach for india is essentially a, a multiplier and I think that's why uh why it works um what we say is that we will run a two year intensive fellowship 
for really bright young people right so our belief is that our nation needs our brightest people to focus on education in the short term we actually only have about a thousand fellows teaching and they teach 32000 children right drop in the bucket but because the investment is in them as leaders and leadership is such a powerful multiplier as alumni post the two years today they are reaching 33 million children because they are going on to work in policy in curriculum development in teacher training in ed tech um and that's i think how we need to think in india we need to say which models go deep because education is about depth but which models multiply and for that i i keep coming back to an investment in leadership you know if you invest in one leader um we may have a, a tarun cherakuri who uh has worked as a teach for india fellow only really teaching 25 30 kids in the two years but today runs a program called indus action which is getting lakhs and lakhs of children to enroll in school through the right to education so again the multiplier model is what i i think makes teach for india powerful the the other interesting thing i don't know if you're familiar with the the researcher erica chenoweth but she studied a lot of social movements around the world and and come up with this you know rough formula that if you can engage 3.5% of people in a in a particular um issue you can actually bring about a tipping point uh, and so teach for india is obsessed with this number now saying in our regions if we can get 3.5 people beyond our immediate community to engage with educational equity will there be a powerful ripple um so again i think when you break that down rajan the importance of proof points in india is very significant i know the government thinks a lot about can we scale can we reach all children and that is of course our ultimate aim but we're still at a place where we don't believe as a nation you know when when people see my teach for india kids they say oh wow they can speak english oh my goodness they're going to college you know we don't believe that you can with great opportunity overcome the disadvantage of your background so i think we need a lot of proof points and then we need a lot of models that are able to be disruptive enough to multiply depth work at scale no i i think i think what you rightly said broad basing you know this this entire process of people having the basic skills but then also pushing for excellence right because ultimately your fellows are those ones who are the brightest and who are creating change and i think yeah. again that's a very virtuous cycle you know and of course i i i mean the more i'm talking to you the more i'm convinced that forget what has happened so far but over the next 10 years if we can get the 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 right kind of children attention you know delivered and have them participate in this process that funnel for the the next generation of leaders who will champion this cause passionately will come before we hit india and probably you know yeah. but but you know there's a lot not changing right in in education i mean you mentioned it briefly before you know it's it's so strongly student centric you know person centric learner centric today from the other side you know and and i think how does one really look at education right future skills there's so much of information of google you know we always say is that truly education you know what's the difference between knowledge and applying you know uh, information in 
in different ways, interdisciplinary, you know. So how, how is the world of education changing and, and I think more importantly, what can India do to prepare for it, right? I think, you know, because you are also grassroots connected here. Yeah. What's on that? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is like my favorite question because I think it all starts with really asking and expanding the definition of education. Um, again, because of the burden of scale and numbers, um, we've made tremendous progress in momentum towards skilling. Um, and yet education still today in India is essentially competition to get into a college, to get a job, to start that cycle again with your kids. And while there are pockets, as you said, of interdisciplinary, socio-emotional learning, and we see these examples around the world, the typical Indian school does not embrace that, that, that vision of education. To us, we sort of boil the purpose of education at Teach for India down to three things. We say, first and foremost, it is about self. And by self, we mean it is about giving children the opportunity to discover who they are, their purpose in the world, and then to develop the skills to get the livelihood of their choice, right? So that's the first part. That's generally where education stops. We're saying there are two other components. The second is what we're calling other. That education is not just about me. Actually, a lot of the problems in our country and our world exist because of that definition of education. Education is equally about, am I learning each day how to care for the other, how to be more open-minded, how to embrace different perspectives and how to actually create opportunities for others to reach their potential. So that's sort of part two. And part three, perhaps most importantly, uh, is what we call India. Um, education is about understanding our country and about really acting towards becoming a responsible citizen in the country. And so we sort of break that down and say the, the highest law of our land is enshrined in our constitution and actually in the four ideals in the preamble of our constitution. If our children from grade one and two were practicing actions linked to equality, fraternity, justice and liberty, they would grow up fundamentally different. And my argument is the country would look very different at the end of it. So really, if we start with that, Rajan, and we say education is about self, other and India, children come to school not just to score well on exams, but they come to school to unleash their greatest potential and to unleash the, the potential of others and to make the country better. I think everything we, we plan and measure in education will look different and will flow down from there. Oh, truly, truly a beautiful definition for education. You know, again, uh, you know, what you what you rightly said, I think it, it is really reflective of the, the experience that you have had and, you know, where, where this needs to go. You know, and I think there are different sets of stakeholders who can contribute to each of those pieces, right? Because it, it, it will require a lot of investment action to happen, especially when you when you take what you are able to do to your optimal potential and then use that for others. I think we are creating, you know, a, a phenomenal ecosystem. And I know uh, industry has a big role to play in that, Shine, you know, because I mean, I, I am aware of some of the details of what Thumax and, you know, people like Anu and Mayer have helped support in Teach for India and Broad. But industry people who have done well, you know, contributing to this cause, actually making it, you know, their, their, their largest 
uh, you know, deliverable of gold uh, as one moves forwards. And given that this entire movement of India at 75 leading to India at 100 has been anchored with industry and then bringing multiple stakeholders together, you know, what what role do you think industry can play, you know, moving forward? Is it is it more towards, you know, uh, creating robust infrastructure, more equitable, you know, distribution of education? So one on the macro side and then, you know, I'm sure you have so many examples of of, of a grassroots level of, you know, a change. So some role yeah. on what industry can do. Yeah, I mean, so much and, and really the answer is all of the above and, and much more. But, you know, to me, I break industry down into human beings. And I think today, just as, as a person living in India, as a person from India, like it, it's no longer our prerogative to say we don't care. Like there just there's too much that needs to be fixed around us if we care about uh, the India that we leave to our children and our grandchildren. So my my short answer is if everybody just looked in the mirror and said not what little can I do. But how can I do the maximum that I can possibly do? Cognizant of how fundamentally it will change me as a human being. This has been my single most consistent lesson across 30 years. I came into this work as a very rebellious 18 year old, really thinking I had a lot to contribute. And I've learned again and again and again that the more you give, the more you get back. And, and I think that is the reason really to do it. And I think if we cultivate that as individuals, then industries will naturally uh, take on the role that they have. There is so much expertise within industry and there is so much there are just so many resources you know and, and the the obvious ones are the financial resources i think you know organizations like ours also being a larger ngo in the country still struggle to even raise one year's money in advance right so funding continues to be one of the top three challenges uh, for the sector and really inhibits us for doing the level and volume of work we're able to do so that that's a very obvious one but i think the one that i found equally if not more important is the human capital that sits in industry the strategic inputs, you know, a lot of people in the NGO sector like myself came in just as passionate human beings, nothing else, no skill sets at all. Um, and I, I think what you're able to get when you partner um, and can tap into the expertise, the infrastructure, the technology of industry is just massive. So, so I see it as absolute partnership going forward if we're to make any you know really shift the needle on any development issue we can't do it without industry as a significant partner you know we, we uh, one of the things that we really took up very strongly is this entire skilled volunteering piece because what you rightly said there's so many you know very very attractive and you know uh, very i would say people who can create tremendous impact within industry and you know, we don't know how to deploy a large part of those resources. Also, how do NGOs and others measure the impact of what those people have, right? So we did a whole, uh, you know, kind of a program. We were able to value that not as a CTC to the company, but to what the NGO benefited, you know, got it into a part of the 2% CSR, you know, spend that is there. But, but you know, I, I still think that what you rightly said, there is so much to unlock there, right? And I think maybe a technology platform or uh, some way, you know, whether Teach for India and India Cellular Foundation can, can work together to see what can really mobilize that because I think the intent 
is very similar from industry to right it's, it's about how do we get it to happen again at scale and maybe that's one follow up agenda or follow on agenda for us yeah. to to work together on you know to see how we can get you know more industry people the funding will anyways come when your own people are involved so i think that also is a you know is a is a very you know yeah rajan i i also think the opportunity that many of us sort of woke up and realized through the pandemic of a new form of education you know which we're loosely calling this this blended education i think many of us uh, realized very obvious truths through the the pandemic that learning doesn't need to be limited to a classroom that learning doesn't have to be limited to the teacher in front of the classroom that learning doesn't happen during instructional hours this opens up a very powerful channel for industry and individuals in industry to contribute directly to the last mile beneficiary uh you know because you can take out half an hour a week sitting in your office delivering a high quality education or mentorship uh directly to students and i think that unleashes tremendous possibility if again we can figure out the matching uh yeah. behind that no that that was the whole idea right if we can build a technology platform that supports that right also yeah. not only matches but creates you know like the zoom kind of a interface for you to be able to you know uh, both in a hub and spoke model or a one on one basis you know engage with people you know very holistic i think it could be a pretty large contribution i know everybody has tried it in pieces and even yeah. we did you know something on that but i think a high class product somewhere there would be a big you know good initiative for us to to take on and of course i'm sure the government would also be very supportive of an initiative like that you know yeah. but also also i think this technology is is going to probably help us you know get better gender parity when it comes to literacy between male and female in the country i don't know but you know that's again an area that i know probably you're also very passionate about but you know how do we bridge that gap right if we're talking of india at 100 you know india 2047 the opportunity for a girl child or a male child to get educated or or forget the opportunity actually getting educated there shouldn't be any distinction i mean you know but is that what will make that happen you know um rajan i feel these problems will naturally go away if our own understanding of education is different you know teach for india fellows go into schools where girls are not allowed on the football team girls and boys are not allowed to sit next to each other um and you start making these small shifts in actions um and breaking this down and enabling really safe dialogue for people to have different perspectives and actually surface biases that they may have the power of what i call the circle right it's simplest lowest cost highest potential initiative in education can we get people to sit around and talk to each other um and share why they have biases and listen to different perspectives and i think things will start to shift i also think if we want greater parity we need to do a lot of education on the side of men and boys because ultimately they're still holding the power that determines what girls are, are able to do in the future um and so i found that when we actually empower our boys we're making things much better for our girls as well i think that's that's again a very different twist and you know so focusing it in in that manner I, again a, a large scale roll out agenda to do that right not again something which is you know just going to hit a few but 
at scale probably included part of a curriculum and maybe what you rightly said you know where you see capacity and potential of people helping others you know how does every single male uh, person who is educated ensure that one female who is not gets it i mean there could be tons of ways in which yeah. one can approach something like this right i think uh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I think because you said large scale, I'm also thinking Rachan of the power of like campaigns and communications. And again, I think this is where industry can play a huge role. But, you know, a girl's story makes another hundred girls stories possible. Um, And how do we do that? I mean, I remember being in a small school in Kashmir where I just told my story and I could see the the look on those girls' faces and essentially what I was seeing in their faces was, oh my gosh, it is possible for a girl to do something, you know? And so I think the power of of like mass storytelling um, and showing that this is not just possible, this can be normal, this can be the, the new normal, um, that that can be very powerful. So let's do that, right? You know, a rebellious 18-year-old girl, like over the next one minute, inspire the other girl child. <laughs> Two minutes. What what what's the highlight of your story, Shine? <laughs> <laughs> now that you said it, you know, let's let's get a little what what's that what is that those 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 few statements in your journey or story that really you know, uh, I think where you had a, you know, where you think you conquered or you created something, you know, you overcame something that was challenging in your journey. Yeah. I mean, this is such a big question, but I'll, I'll, you know, top of mind, a few of my most salient sort of like, I think, you know, I, I don't want to say things that I am doing, but things that I am starting to do. Um, one is just holding an incredibly high bar for children. Like, I just believe that children, are limited by the bar we put on them and and they are limitless in their potential so that idea that kids are limitless they are precious they are holistic human beings and they can contribute just significantly to the world i think that's that's been one of my my most sort of consistent pursuits i think the second is actually the power of love um for uh, for for lack of a, a better phrase you know i've found that to learn that the journey is one where we can love ourselves, each other, the work that we do, that is very, very, very powerful. Because for all of us, when you actually love something, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And so really embracing and trying to understand the role of love um, it, towards that that high bar, I think that that has been a second. And the third has just been like, the, the the tenacity just stick it out you know when people say what are you most proud of i'm like i'm still here and like it's not that the journey hasn't gone up and down but you start to see the most magical things if you stay long enough and today you know we have akanksha alumni who became teach for india fellows who now are working on staff and i mean you see all kinds of unbelievable circles complete when you just stay long enough and you see things that you never really thought uh, would be possible. Um, and so today my, my greatest thrill comes from walking into a room and not being able to tell the difference between a fellow and a student uh, because they both are as articulate as each other and as insightful as each other. And, you know, to me, that's what it's about, like that level of education. No, I think the most powerful emotion probably in the world, love and perseverance together can create wonders like what you're yeah. I think that itself is, is very inspiring for people to 
to continue to to take up and do a lot more and you know i think i think uh, it it is important right because when we look at uh, these kinds of people who build leadership right they they are in the position to to lead others as well so you know i think this whole entrepreneurship generation that we are seeing now especially in new age you know even in this pandemic unicorns and you know new age startups creating a lot of value or or even otherwise existing leaders you know uh, getting more people to uh, to to take up entrepreneurial opportunities i remember i was at a convocation you know some time back and i just asked them how many of you want to be job creators and how many want to be job seekers there were more people who put up their hand for being job creators right so this this entire generation change of of wanting to become entrepreneurs right uh, i think is is also something that our education needs to address right uh, because you know earlier is to be one a career for a lifetime now it's lifetime of careers entrepreneurship opportunities so yeah so how can the indian education system again over the next you know 20 25 years inculcate some of these aspects you know uh, deeper as a system rather than it happening you know due to external environment Yeah, I I'll come back again to the the India strand of what I talked about earlier. You see, if you if you learn from textbooks and you have sort of a passive way of learning your whole life, you learn to become the opposite of an entrepreneur. Whereas if from the age of 5, 6, 7 years old, you're taught to you're asked what bothers you around you, you're taught to identify what you care about and you're taught a process of solving the problems around you if you do that consistently over 10 15 years you are an entrepreneur at the end of it and i think what we've found is that that actually creates the deepest most enduring form of learning like i'll never forget this moment where i visited a a school in new zealand grade 10 their entire year's syllabus was building a three story house that they were going to donate to a homeless family at the end of the year that was their syllabus and so they were learning values they were learning every possible academic skill and their exam at the end of the year was not like did you get a 97 versus a 98 it was like when it rains does the family get wet does the family enjoy the home it was so meaningful and so can we really convert our education into a, a real world space where children are learning skills through solving things that they genuinely care about um and that are meaningful to them i think that is what is going to embed entrepreneurship uh in our blood more broadly no and i think you know doing it in when when children are still innocent you know where you can inculcate all the love perseverance all those values alongside you know unlocking yeah. your potential but also working with others and bringing the best out of them i think is a great model again one that probably needs to be a part of every education curriculum yeah. maybe not for a whole year right like probably what you said today but maybe one project that you need to do that is significant and i'm sure today's kids will take it to a completely different level given the technology and all this you know uh, yeah. such a large large part of it in fact there's a beautiful program called design for change which is freely available online and literally has simplified design thinking for children so that they can pick up any project and solve it um and i remember like our 8 year old children in chennai they had a child who was hearing impaired in their class 
that was the problem they wanted to solve these children invented an entire sign language so that the child could feel included in class and they were eight you know a uh, 10 year old rehan in amdabad lives in the middle of eight mountains of garbage and decided he wanted to mobilize his entire community at 10 to solve that problem you know and so you can imagine the rich learning that comes from solving a sort of larger than life problem for you actually whether or not you solve it is irrelevant it's the muscle that you build in trying to solve it and i think that's true for our teach for india uh, fellows as well because the experience is so immersive and so fraught with challenges you're trying to solve we've actually had 160 organizations be founded by tfi alums just in the last decade um so you see how entrepreneurship very naturally gets gets fostered yeah no no i think i think it's a great example of of how what you rightly said entrepreneurship just in capacity building and you know talent itself is a i think it's a global trillion dollar opportunity if not more than that and given that india has taken leadership right i think you know while in many of the new age businesses edutech when we talk of you know uh, india has actually created global leadership in in a lot of the models and i think given that education or the roots of education for the world in some shape and form beyond india itself of course thousand year cultural history also originated somewhere in india it is something that we really need to you know take to the world but you know at the same time shine there are some great global benchmarks or a lot of things that have been done very well by other countries right uh, you know over this last whatever few hundred years you know which i think you know india can also benefit from right uh, anything that that you personally take inspiration from and you feel can be a part of what we can do i mean i just take inspiration all the time from from everywhere i i think that would be the message i i would leave people with i mean there's so many examples globally you have the green school in bali you have the kip schools in the us closer to home you have the apsara academy in pune you have sec mall in ladakh i mean there are countless examples uh there are there's a lot of learning to be had from the success stories and also the things that have not worked um and there's a lot of learning to be had from not just the outcome of where some of these beautiful projects are today but the journey that they've been on uh i think for me again it's been around like how do you build the muscle not to reinvent how do you take out time it's so hard in our lives our lives are so busy but how do you build the muscle to zoom out to invest in your own learning to carve out the time to actually visit other projects to see where you find leverage to shamelessly copy i mean i think you know uh, to make things open source i think this is another thing we have to become better at like if if something that tfi develops can help any child anywhere like why would we put any limits on that you know so i think it's it it comes down to like a mindset and an appetite and the time we create uh for learning and when you do that like you know it it's literally buttons away to to find some of these great examples yeah i know and you know given that we have the world's largest pool of youthful talent for the future you know i think i think there's so many things that we probably need to do you know to to make that happen and i think also you know one of our key vision elements has always been of course implicit you know universal literacy for all but in that you know creating the world's largest pool of 
uh, you know blend right the largest skilled workforce is going to come from india if not already right and i and i just think that you know that is one role that at least over the next two decades right india can play as we you know see these next 25 years plan you know pan out so any any thoughts around you know uh, because you know also the skills are changing right that the world is going to need the methodologies of which you can contribute you know uh, productively again you have you know digital and many other ways in which one can you know uh, you know do all of that you know and still make an impact in in other parts of the world but any any thoughts around india building the world's largest skilled workforce and and what we need to do over the next you know again 25 years yeah i mean i i think again just bringing it back to to education which is what i understand a little bit better uh rajan i think the first thing is like our education system forget addressing the present it's still addressing the past right so we have to just morph in our heads to even trying to envision what will that workforce look like uh when our kids graduate and what are our schools doing today i think holding that question and having that dialogue is is the starting point i think the second is there's so much much research now around some of the critical 21st century skills that our children need um as you said our kids are going to graduate not into to one job but maybe 10 15 20 jobs over a lifetime and yet they will all need communication skills they will all need uh, uh, uh collaboration skills they will all need to be creative um and so how do we teach those enduring 21st century skills and i would say even over prioritize those to knowledge because knowledge today does not need to be memorized right knowledge is freely available um but i think what is going to differentiate our kids abilities to stay ahead of the curve is how deeply they sort of embody those 21st century skills so at at teach for india we call them the 8 c's we've actually made them into characters um and and they are a part of everything we do it's critical thinking courage compassion uh communication creativity curiosity like these are the things i think to build into the fabric of our education system yeah no i think i think you know the 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 c's can extend and if you take the interplay of just curiosity and creativity many people would discount them as you know similar you know words but each has so much depth and if one can hone that skill particularly in in everything would be would be lovely you know shine i'm just looking at the clock and i don't know how 45 minutes have gone by but you know uh, uh, we've had a beautiful wonderful conversation but we cannot end this end this session you know without really uh, getting you know a picture of what is your dream for india of 2047 so if if you had to really you know put your dream out there uh, and your wish for india uh, maybe you know i would love to hear what that Yeah, I I think for me uh, my dream for India is that we reimagine the education system fundamentally and we do it with our children. Um and I think if I were to underline one word in that dream it would be the with word. Um how do we really think of children truly as our partners? from the level of classroom to the highest level um of policy making can we really reimagine alongside them yeah no and and they are the future so obviously if they are your partners they will not only 
define the future but probably lead india for the future and be the beneficiaries of that yeah. of that future what a lovely what a beautiful dream and again you know thanks so much uh, shaheen for, for spending these 45 minutes in this you know very enriching enlightening discussion and i'm sure there's a lot for us to take back you know particularly as as industry as you know government policy many many aspects that you touched upon on how we can bring about change but i'm going to end with one thing that i'm going to continue to trouble you and reach out to you you know to enable all of the things that you said happen again more at scale how each person can you know do a lot more than what we are doing today uh, and really create that you know infectious energy around education uh, like what you said so that it becomes one of the most important and prioritized goals for our country over the next 25 years thank you uh, for for sharing this and i'm sure we'll all see a beautiful india at 100 together thank, <laughs> thank you so much thank you for listening to cii podcasts